This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to David James coming up here momentarily. Hear him every morning alongside Patrick Kinahan, DJ and PK, 6 to 10. Also, uh, talking sports, KUTV News, he's a you know, world-famous TV guy, David James. Do you know that uh, DJ and I did a show together back in the day? I did know that, yes. Yeah, it was fun. Well, M- MJB time. in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah, because I started with Kevin, and then Kevin left, and uh, and then uh, DJ and I uh, got together with Booner, and we did MJB in the morning. It's fun. He's DJ's a... Very energetic guy. He is. He's perfect for morning radio, in all honesty, because he does bring that energy. And it helps when uh, slugs like me are just trying to <laughs> peel themselves out of bed to flip on DJ and PK and get a little energy coming from David James. Yeah, I used to wake up about uh, oh, 45 minutes into the show. That's when we'd come alive. A when you'd bit. come to? I, I give DJ a lot of credit. There are very few humans on this planet, I think, that could do a, a nighttime newscast and then come in and do a uh, morning drive radio show without the use of coffee. <laughs> well, you uh, you you produced that show, so uh, right? I did, you were and I, up early. I loved producing that show, but I hated that shift so much, <laughs> so much. And maybe it's just maybe it's just where I was in life at that point. But it it was not conducive to my lifestyle. I'll tell you that. Did you? Did you say you hated that shift? No. Because my, my only response to that is that shift happens. Shift. Yes, that's what I said. All right, out to the zone phone we go. As I mentioned, uh, co-host in the mornings alongside Patrick Kinahan from 6 to 10. Also catch him on KUTV and Talking Sports. He's our good friend you David James. aggressive little punks. What's up, DJ? <laughs> the classics never grow old. That was awesome. <laughs> Austin, I'll tell you, he's on it. He's he's right there. He's got his finger on the trigger. I was producing that day. That Were you really? That was a really? fun day, yeah. That was, uh, that was Austin producing the morning? Because that hasn't happened a ton. No, that was that was a Scotty show. That, that was ah. pl- The voicemail was played on. Yeah. That's right. That's and DJ right. called uh, DJ, in. DJ, I was just telling these guys that you and I reminding them that you and I did a morning show together way back when. And I have very fond memories of that time. Do you? Uh, is the feeling mutual? Yes. That was a good time. MJB in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so DJ uh, knows uh, fact or fiction. DJ knows the the pain, <laughs> the pain that comes along with co-hosting with Gordon. We bond. We bond over that. After the show, every day we'd go—not every day, but every once in a while we'd go out. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, get a little breakfast. Yeah. Let's go get a little breakfast at Carl's Jr. I'm all about those tater tots and them scrambled eggs. Let's go. <laughs> Man, you uh, we did Summer Fitness Challenge 2000. That was uh, that was uh, uh, quite the experience. That was um, that was actually really interesting, and that was good. And you know, it was a lockout, and there was nothing going on, and we learned a lot about fitness, much of which we ignore now, but we know it nonetheless. <laughs> if we need to, if we need to go back to it, we know what to do. We know how to do it. 
I'll, not, I'll never forget, and I've brought this up with Booner before, but, DJ, do you remember when we were talking about uses for the arena during the work stoppage? <laughs> yeah. And Booner thought a golf tournament would be a good idea? Yeah, just start pinging balls, just start pinging wedges <laughs> up into the upper bowl. And Booner's like, no, no, you got to get dialed in. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. All right, DJ. Let's uh, let's get down to business here. Uh, let's start with the uh, l- let's start with the Pac-12. Why do you think the league is reluctant to adjust its rules to pair Colorado and USC uh, against each other if both are undefeated? Too many concussions. They're just uh, they've been concussed. They've been headbutting around the office. I don't know how to explain it. I got nothing. I'm the king of logic. I got nothing for you. I'd like to see that game. I'd be fine if they played it. I don't know why they painted themselves into a corner. The Mountain West didn't. They just said, hey, we'll have the two best teams. Now, they beat up with an undefeated team from the Mountain Division, undefeated team from the West Division. They'll end up with what they would have ended up with if they painted themselves into a corner. The Big Ten changed their rules. You could do that, too, but I, I can't explain what the Pac-12 does. I-, I haven't been able to explain it from the day they started. You can ask PK about it. When, when BYU was first told no non-conference games uh, after the third week, I was like, well, they're playing Notre Dame on Thanksgiving and nobody wants to buy. It's a 13-team league every Thanksgiving. That didn't make any sense. And, you know, like five, six years later, they came around to thinking, you know, that doesn't make any sense. I, I, I can't explain it. I, I got nothing for you. You got anything on uh, an opinion on the Ohio State uh, or the move in the Big Ten to change that rule? Well, there's a lot of reasons to change that rule. One is everybody thinks Ohio State's the best team, so why not give yourself a chance to get them into the playoff? I don't think they'll win it, but if they did, it'll make the Big Ten look better. Um, you know, can they make the Big Ten more money? Uh, you know, why do you want to be a laughing stock by staging a game when everyone thinks your your best team, if not your best team, certainly your second best team? isn't in it. I mean, there are a lot of reasons to change it. And I think they rationalized it with even if they get a game on short notice and play it the way BYU did with Coastal Carolina, and even if they lose the game, they would still win the division. So why penalize them because Michigan can't go? You know, there there were a lot of reasons to change the decision. What did you think about uh, their justification? Gordon and I were LOLing at this earlier today where they called it, uh, uh, here I'll read it, quote, the decision was based on a competitive analysis which determined that Ohio State would have advanced the Big Ten football championship uh, game based on its undefeated record and head-to-head victory over Indiana, regardless of a win or loss against Michigan. Why can't they just say, hey, this is the best thing for our league. It's 2020. This is what we're doing. Deal with it. Why do they have to, why do they have to fluff yeah. it up? It's so dumb. You know, my high school English teacher, Mr. Peace, was the just a, I, I want to say he was the best teacher I had, and that might be unfair to somebody else, but he was absolutely top three. He used to read our papers, and whenever he thought you were droning on too long, he'd be reading in front of the class. He would roll his head back, close his eyes, and begin to snore loud right in the <laughs> middle of a sentence. And then he'd throw it down on the desk and pick up another one and start reading it. It was horrifying to have him pick your writing apart in front of class. He would have thrown that down on the desk. He used to write on the board, pithy and succinct. Get to the point. I don't want to waste my time on you. You're not that interesting. <laughs> he used to say stuff like that in class all the time. And that's exactly who I thought of when I heard you start to read that statement. You're not that interesting, Big Ten. Get to the point. 
What do you think we're going to think when when this college football season is over, DJ? <laughs> we're going to look back at this and we're going to say, uh, no, Alabama or Ohio State, whoever it is, isn't the champion. It's COVID is the champion. I think that that's how we're going to look back at all of 2020 and apparently part of 2021. Hopefully a small part of 2021, but uh, part of 2021 nonetheless. That's just the way it's going to be. And it's going to be the way, I guess, that people look back at uh, the flu pandemic in 1918 and 19 and World War I and World War II. What was it like when sports were canceled in World War II, Gordon? Tell us about it. <laughs> it was dreadful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were no Olympics and there was stuff called off. There. I think there was no British Open golf tournament. There was no Wimbledon. You know, stuff got called off. So I think that's how we're going to look back at it. It's a really weird time, and all you can do is just try to get through it the best you can. Everything's going to, you know, take a hit to one degree or another. I uh, I heard your segment this morning, DJ, with Riley Jensen, who's uh, always good when he comes on with you guys, but uh, talking a little bit about the, the mental aspect when it comes to sports. He always, it's kind of his job now. Well, it is his job now, and uh, he, he's interesting when he talks about it. But do you buy into the letdown factor? Is that, a, is that going to be a danger for BYU against San Diego State this weekend, the fact that they have an emotional letdown? You know, uh, I would have to be around the players more and have a better sense of it. If it were olden times and you could go to practice and stand there, you, you'd probably an interview guys after that. You'd probably have a better feel because you were actually talking to them face-to-face uh, with as little interaction as we have, not just because of the pandemic. Uh, access was already being cut back before that. But it's been cut way back now. It's hard to judge that. Certainly for some teams that's an issue. Um, one of the San Diego State teams I grew up rooting for started 8-0 and finished 0-3 because they lost a big game. And Jerry Sloan used to always say, don't play backward because you'd see one mistake or loss compound another mistake or another loss. So it's human nature. If you've got the right group of people in the right frame of mind, it's not an issue at all. And yet a loss like that, if you're not in the right frame of mind, and San Diego State has a good defense and a, and a if they're healthy, they have a pretty good run game. I don't think they have a good passing game under any situation. But, you know, if they get a lead and they're playing good defense and running the ball, uh, you know, and you turn it over a few times, you can dig yourself a hole and have a problem. I don't, I don't think it will happen. I think BYU is a better team and they'll win. But it, it could be a problem. It's just hard to know when you're not around the guys enough. So, DJ, I want you to use your competitive analysis to tell us uh, what you have settled on as far as how good a team BYU is. I think they're really good. I think the level of interest from NFL people in, we'll have to see how it plays out, but I think there's uh, at least five guys who are going to end up in the NFL and maybe as high as ten among their juniors and seniors, and some of the juniors may go. Well, one of them had better go. Uh, but others may choose to stay or go. We'll have to see. So I think that's one thing. I think just watching the games, the the games they lost last year that turned a 10-3 and team into a 7-16, and they lost a middle-of-the-pack group of five teams because they blew fourth-quarter leads. They got, if you had the cumulative score up for the losses at Toledo, Hawaii, and South Florida – in those three games, I think they were outscored like 34-7 to or 37-6, to something horrible like that in the fourth quarter of those three games. It was horrible. And when they were at Houston, and Houston looks like they are about a 500 group of five team this year, when they were in Houston, they were in trouble at halftime, 
and the game was still hanging in the balance going to the fourth quarter, and they dominated. And all those games were on the road. And I just I remember watching that Houston game thing, and they have taken a big step forward because this is exactly the kind of game they messed up last year after beating Tennessee and USC and Boise State. And also I think the game against Boise State a year ago was competitive at home, probably not as competitive as the final score. If I remember right, Boise State scored late, tightened the game up. And then they go up there where they've never won, and they annihilate the Broncos. So I think this team is clearly taking a couple steps forward from last year. And I think that once you get a team that has at least five, maybe ten NFL guys on it, you usually have a really good college football team. You know, LSU had 15 draft picks or something ridiculous. Well, and one and the number one pick in the in the draft at quarterback, so they go 15 and 0. You know, I don't think BYU has that. I think college football teams rarely have that. But I think it is a measure. You know, when you have one or two guys, eh, when you have five or six guys, maybe you got something. If you have eight or ten, you definitely have something. And you can look at the Utes. You know, they're in the Pac-12, and that's different, and we can go through all that. But look at a Mountain West team that in 2008 went undefeated and won the Sugar Bowl, and half the defense played in the NFL, and so did a handful of offensive guys. They had at least one receiver. Uh, they had a running back. You know, you can kind of go down the line. I think they had an offensive lineman or two, but I have to go look. It gets a little blurry. But, yeah, once you, once you get six, eight, ten NFL players, you usually have a really good college football team. DJ, I want to switch gears to the Jazz here for a, for a second. Um, you know, there there really isn't a such thing as a complete NBA team. Maybe we could rattle off those that uh, that came the closest. Um, but the Jazz flaws in particular over the past few years have been fairly easy to identify, whether it was lack of uh, outside shooting a couple of years ago or last year. I thought the bench uh, was pretty obvious that was an issue, thus the, the Jordan Clarkson uh, trade. What is what is going to be the – can you predict a flaw that they're going to have to cover up with this, uh, with this current roster? Because they've uh, – identified some issues but not all i think well i am curious uh how much Derek favors is going to play how much he and rudy are going to be together um that lineup could be all right but it might supplant a better lineup um or will favors maybe you know the games are coming fast and furious so maybe gobert's on the low end of his range and he plays 32 to 34 minutes a night um maybe they're able to sit him when they're playing three times in four days and just give Favors a start and give Gobert a night off. So I'm interested to see how that plays out because I just don't think Favors and Gobert together is a great lineup. It could be, a, it could be an all right lineup, and certainly some nights it'll be a winning lineup, uh, but I think they may have better lineups that they need to have out there. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. But I think that how far this team goes, it always depends. There's always role players that matter, but mostly it's the stars. And as Donovan gets better, can they go further? You know, Kyler Murray got better, and uh, Kyler Murray. Oh, my gosh. I've been watching too much football. <laughs> um, Denver, Denver's two young guys get better, and Murray starts dropping 50-point games, and, you know, they're in a conference final. And clearly we're seeing Donovan Mitchell get better. But as long as LeBron's the gold standard – it's hard for every other star in the league. Now, sometimes you get it done, and the Warriors did, um, and some other teams did too, and Dallas got one, but it's really hard to do. But how, how good is your best player, and how good is your second best player? As they improve and get better, 
the other guys aren't asked to do as much. And quite frankly, if the other guys could do more, they wouldn't be the other guys. They'd be the star player and the second player somewhere because they'd be worth that kind of money, and you can't pay everybody. And eventually, uh, as we saw with Oklahoma City, you know, all three of their guys scattered, you know. Durant, Westbrook, Harden, they had them all together. You can't pay them all, and eventually they all scatter. So, DJ, speaking of paying out money, will the Jazz re-sign Rudy Gobert before December 22nd? I don't know. I don't know. I guess you have to work backwards. The the Jazz cannot afford to let Gobert walk as a free agent the way Hayward did. Uh, they can't afford that. They did it once. They got away with it. They drafted Mitchell. Unbelievable. But it worked out. Uh, but it's just it's best not to let your, your best players leave for nothing. You need to get something. So if he isn't signed by the trade deadline, then they have to deal him. Now, the Jazz, we've seen – uh, with the Corver trade and with the Clarkson trade, they don't like to wait to the deadline. They like to go get whoever they want earlier before the pressure grows and it really turns into an auction and the price can change and maybe you have to overpay. If they think they got the right deal, on at least two high-profile occasions, they just went and made their move. So this is a little different because they weren't giving up uh, you know, defensive player of the year in those situations. So maybe they'll wait a little longer. Um, and I would have to look up. I don't know the trade deadline off the top of my head. But Rudy was very definitive that he wants to finish his career in Utah. He didn't really want to go into the contract negotiations, but he wanted to finish his career in Utah. So I think that we take that at face value, and then we try to figure out, well, at what point do you cave to make sure they don't deal you? Now, does he just want to have it done before the season? You know, he didn't go into that. So I, I, don't, I can't guarantee it's done by the 22nd. I, I think it's not, but I don't know. What's coming up on the news tonight, David? Are you working? Uh, tonight on Cam, Why You Talking Sports, is a college football panel, panel with uh, Frank Dolce and with uh, Elena Harrington and with the aforementioned uh, Riley Jensen. So we'll have that. And then uh, highlights from the BYU basketball game because the Cougars are playing tonight. They've got, uh, they've got Boise State in, 5-1 and one versus 2-1. and one. So uh, that's, uh, those are a couple of highlights right there. College football panel on KMYU, and 2 News at 10 will have the Cougar highlights. It's called a tease, people. KMYU, talking <laughs> sports tonight. David there James. it is. Yeah. Hey, uh, now let's, go hit, let's go hit golf balls in the luxury suites. Who's with me? I'm in. Hey, are you, are you giving us the donks again this weekend? You know, I don't know. That probably just came out this afternoon, and I was on a couple calls and didn't look. Um, There's three possible games, and in my personal estimation, that's the third best game. Uh, I think the Raiders are playing the Colts, right? And so that's a team barely on the outside of the playoff picture in the Raiders and a team barely on the inside of the playoff picture in the Colts. That's a pretty good game, but I think I'd give you the Chiefs. In, in all, they're they're in all, wildly popular. Their quarterback is friggishly entertaining, and he is surrounded by excellent skill players. 
I've got to give you uh, a compliment, uh, DJ, and and this is where your your nerdiness is just invaluable. Those those like TV, what college football game is on where thing that you've been tweeting out is just brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> okay, I found that. That's on a website where I found the broadcast maps for uh, NFL games, <laughs> and I always tweet out the CBS maps. I never tweet out the Fox maps. Maybe I should. It gets a little tedious there using this sniffing tool over and over again. Yeah, screw um, those guys. Yeah, right. Um, and by the way, I think Fox is just going to keep showing the Saints because Taysom's getting huge ratings. Yeah. Huge. That Jets-Raiders game, that was a pretty good game. And the Raiders have a fan base here. And it got like a 2.8. It got one of like – that's probably one of the four or five lowest-rated NFL games of the year. And I know there was one lower. It wasn't the lowest. But it, two, three, four, five, it's somewhere in there. And at the same time, Taysom Hill was getting like an 8.2 with what was not a good game. You know, the, the Saints were completely in control of that game with the Falcons. You know, the Jets-Raiders game was a good game with a great finish. Uh, it was a competitive game. And the, Ra- and the, the Saints were never, ever, ever going to lose that game to Atlanta. They had it the whole way. They scored early, and they were in total charge. But it got like an 8.2. It, it got uh, – I'm not going to do math on the air. I hate it when that happens. It basically tripled the ratings, wow. roughly, because it was Taysom. It was that was just the power of Taysom. Nobody really wanted to watch that game. They didn't want to watch the Saints or the Falcons. They wanted to watch Taysom. Yep. Thank you, DJ. We'll be uh, watching tonight and certainly listening tomorrow morning. All right, we'll talk to you. See you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. That's David James, DJ and PK six to ten every morning. Uh, we've got Christian Cox coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk a little Utah football. Let's get out to The Zone phone. Of course, former Ute Former Patriot and our good friend Christian Cox with us here on the big show. What's happening, Christian? What's going on, Jake? How's the Godfather doing over there? Hanging in there. Thanks for asking. How are you, good. Christian? Doing all right? I'm doing great. Good. Just, a, just another fun-filled work day. Just <laughs> looking forward to talking some sports, not work. Well, let's talk a little sports. How are you liking your Utes going into this game with undefeated, randomly, Colorado? Sure, undefeated Colorado on the road. Uh, I, I, it's just the weirdest year. I, you know, I watched. Unlike some people, I'm sure, uh, watched the entirety of the Oregon State game, and there's parts of it I was like, this feels like the Washington game. Utah looks really good, some big plays, but then the back half of the fourth quarter, you're like, how do you let this team squeak on back? And so. I think ultimately, I think Utah's improved week over week. It's the weirdest condensed schedule and the fact that Colorado's undefeated. And I believe they're not going to play SC because their game was already canceled. So I guess if they win and SC wins, who wins the South? What do they have a South-South matchup? No, uh, no South and North matchup. So uh, I, I think Utah. I think Utah has a really good shot to go in and win on the road. 
So, yeah, we've been talking about that whole thing with USC and Colorado and how that game was canceled because of COVID, and uh, now it's coming down to a situation where both teams are undefeated. We'll see if the Utes can change that. Uh, it, to, to me, this game comes down to uh, a great running back that the Buffs have and the Utes' ability to stop the run. And you were a part of that, Christian. I, it's remarkable to me how the Utes, no matter who comes and goes, it seems like they're tough uh, against the run. How is that accomplished? Is it just uh, recruiting the right guys? Or I've heard a couple of the players talk about, man, when we show up here, we're young. The older guys tell us, hey, this is what we do here. It's expected of you, so you fall into line. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Gordon. It, it's It's scheme but it's tradition too. It's a mixture of what's expected from a defensive line, you know, a front seven perspective. And even the back end, this U defense goes back, you know, back to the, the old, you know, Fred Whittingham days. It's a beautiful four, three, an NFL style four, three, they get into nickel quite a bit, you know, and, in passing situations, but even running situations, you can stop the run with just six guys and really, uh, I, I think back, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm your Uncle Rico guy. I help people have the old perspective. But we played against Alabama in 2008 in the Sugar Bowl. Our starting defensive tackle that year was um, – his name was Derek Shelby. Derek Shelby wasn't playing end. He was playing D tackle at 245. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some other defensive linemen that time, Greg Newman, Kanape Eliapo. Uh, Greg Newman was like 270. Right, it's technique. It's holding the line of scrimmage. Now these boys up at Utah right now, they're monsters. But it's it's playing gap assignment, and you know Morgan mixes it up well with different slants and different games that we play. But really, if you play the technique right, it saves the guys behind you so they can fly over the top and make tackles and and get penetration in the backfield and you know get TFLs and. You know, you see how, uh, if you guys want to, you've seen on the tape, you know, Devin Lloyd's having great tackles. He's having wide open gaps to run through and blitz into. He's having a heck of a year because those things get eaten up. And I look at, you know, you want to go back to the Steve Fafita days. You go to the Starwell to the Lay, um, you know, all of these D linemen that have come through the system. And um, it just keeps replenishing. And again, this is credit to you know to to Lewis Powell. This is Kyle. This is this is uh, you know Morgan. It's it's you put guys in the league, and um, whether you're playing D tackle or D end, the chances of you going to the league are very very high. You can look back from the last twenty years all the way back to Luther Ellis. Christian, apparently it's impossible for a Pac-12 team to play in the middle of the day. It's uh, either playing in the middle of the night on Friday or uh, 10 a.m. on Saturday. In the case of the Utes, uh, their game was obviously moved. Which would you, uh, as a player, which would you rather have a game time? Middle of the night, like 8.30 start or a 10 a.m. start? Well, selfishly, 8, 8 p.m., right? I, it, again, you're waiting around all day. and if you're, Again, are they really even in school right now? Like. Back then, we played a lot of Thursday night games, if you remember. We had, like, weird TV contracts with, like, here's a minute we were on TNT for a second or whatever it was. I don't remember. Uh, but late games, for me, preferred as a as a father of four with six with four at the age of six, a late game. I legit, I've said this before, but I feel like the old dude is, like, 
play the game in the afternoon. Why don't they play those in, anymore? But again, it's Pac-12 after dark. As a player, you get to sleep all day. You get to rest, and you are ready to go. Uh, you go over the field like at 4.30. If it's a 10 a.m. game, I don't think I've ever – the earliest game I ever played was on the road against Michigan. It was like uh, noon Eastern, so it was a 10 a.m. mountain. Um, so it's, it's harder to wake up and change the clock for that. But late night games – you slept all day. You've watched everyone play. You know what's at stake, and you got to show up and deliver. Have you ever seen Christian the the kick time affect the outcome of a game? Uh, as a player, I never thought of it that way. Um, but pff, I'd be interested to see all the late starts versus afternoon games. All I know is I just have I have bad memories of Utah on the road midday against SC. That's all I can think about. Christian Cox with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, can we make it a officially official, officially official that Ty Jordan is RB1? Yeah. Are you guys just as surprised as everyone else? Like, he's, he's awesome. He's how, really many time, how many times do you see a freshman come replace Brumfield's a junior, I believe, right? Yep. Uh, you know, you got two quality backs, a sophomore and a junior ahead of him, and he comes in as a freshman to beat him out. I, I've not never seen that personally. Uh, that shows how much they think of him and how explosive he is. He's got to learn, um, you know, to take care of the ball, which that takes time. But the only challenge I see is it's, you know, fourth and one and we're handing the ball off. He's He's not been getting those first downs. And again, that's, I think, maybe an experience thing. That could be a size thing. But what he gives you from a, a burst and chunk plays from the running back position, I think that's where they, they take the trade. Christian, back before Kyle Whittingham uh, revealed, or I guess they revealed it at game time or just before, that uh, Cam Rising was going to be the starting quarterback. And then he gets hurt, uh, and Jake Bentley comes in. I remember Kyle saying that they were going to go with the most accurate quarterback and there have been times since Jake has taken over when he has missed open receivers in the end zone, and other times uh, every quarterback does a little bit. But what are your impressions of Jake Bentley uh, leading that offense? Yeah, I, you know, I, I want to be kind to the, the institution that gave me, you know, a, a track to a good life. Um, you know, everything that I have today, I you know, I, I look back, it's because of my experiences at Utah. I met my wife at Utah my career and getting to the NFL and even my professional career. But I, I was pretty harsh. I'd say a couple of weeks ago, I think Jake Bentley has been, he's a game manager. And I think maybe my expectations for a guy who's a transfer from South Carolina and being at seasoned and playing the game, I expected more accuracy. I think everybody did or does. Right, you can't miss a wide open Keefe three times. It was twice in the end zone. It was another slant he missed. But again, his competitiveness, his 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 will to win, those are all great attributes. But end of the day, the the most difficult position to play on the football field is, as we know, the quarterback position. It's the most uh, scrutinized position. Um, it's the position that you. Um, win and lose by that's their fault the most utah still won he's managing games i, I think he, he did a good job in the first half but 
again, if you compare him to Huntley, which is not a fair comparison, completely different quarterbacks, you just, you're just not getting the type of productivity you want. But I look at it from just a fan perspective, not, not a scout or like a, uh, a, a hyperly critical person. They're winning games. This year's a wash and a like it's just a wash. I bet Kyle and them want to get as many games as they possibly can, but I'm sure they all just want to be done with December and and move into maybe a more normal year with the vaccine. But Jake Bentley, I guess the weird part that puts them in is, well, do you force him out next year? Does he come back for a sixth year as a senior? Uh, does he do you let him compete? Um, you know, it's. I and wonderful kid. I don't know him at all, but I, I, as a fan, I expected more from a guy who's been playing for so long to be more accurate and better quarterback. But they they're playing the hand that has been dealt to them, I guess. Christian, thank you very much. As always, we appreciate you. You're welcome. See you, see you Gordon. See you, see you, see you buddy. That's our friend Christian Cox, uh, former Ute, of course, former Patriot. Uh, he joins us every week here on the Big Show. That must be cool to be a part of a tradition like uh, Christian is. Those, the the great run stoppers and the great uh, defensive front uh, through the years. So what the Utes have accomplished in that regard is beyond notable. Yep. All right, we've got a uh, brief non-sports port coming up next. David Locke at 5. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. David Locke's going to jump on with us, top of the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, it's the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. But until then, it's time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Uh, we're not going anywhere in particular, but I, I do want to sort of uh, circle around uh, a certain NBA player. And he obviously he's related to sports, but that's not the emphasis of this particular report. Did you guys see that LaMelo Ball... Uh, has uh, gotten a shiny diamond and gold grill. I did see this. Is, is this the, the middle ball, or is this the young one? This, no, this is the youngest, the one who was just drafted third. Well, the, the middle one just signed with somebody, though, because oh, LeVar didn't. took a victory lap because he had all three kids <laughs> in the NBA. Well, LaMelo apparently had uh, got a hold of AP the jeweler from Atlanta. Oh, sure, yeah. Who provided him with this uh, Shane, gold right? and diamond grill? And okay, so I have some questions here. I I looked it up because I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been tempted to get a grill, but uh, I I looked this up from a uh, from a dental association thing. It says grills, also called grills with a Z or fronts, are decorative covers often made of gold, silver, or jewel-encrusted precious metals that snap over one or more of the teeth. They generally are removable, but some grill wearers have them permanently installed. And some have tried to attach their grills with glue, something that is not meant for internal use and can damage the teeth and tissues. At present, there are no studies that show that grills are harmful to the mouth 
but there are no studies that show that their long-term wear is safe either. Some grills are made from non-precious metals that may cause irritation or metal allergic or allergic reactions. Uh, okay, so here's my, a couple of thoughts. Have you ever considered getting a grill, Jake Austin? No. Next question. No. <laughs> Did you okay. just read the Wikipedia uh, of grills? No, 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 it's not the Wikipedia. It's from uh, a website that's uh, uh, brought the to Polish you by Technology the American, Community Amer- American Dental Association. So, <laughs> my, my, but why are people doing this? What, what, what is this? I mean, this thing. AP the jeweler said that this is the most diamond encrusted grill he's ever made for Lamello. I mean, first of all, uh, if you were going to, if you had to get a grill, would you do the, the would you do the temporary or would you do the permanent? Why would I have to get a grill? <laughs> I don't know. It just seems the whole concept seems strange to me because. Can't bacteria get caught in there or whatnot? And doesn't that make it problematic when you're brushing your teeth and trying to, you know, maintain good uh, dental hygiene? You know, somebody... I, I wouldn't know anything about that. I eat out of the garbage. <laughs> As, uh, you know what? I'm just not up with style, but I'm not going to criticize because uh, there are people know that, uh, that know more about it than me. My question for Austin is, would you buy a used grill if you got a discount? <laughs> <laughs> Could I then turn around and pawn it? No, no, no. This would be for your personal use. Nah. No. Nah. What 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 use do I have for it personally? Well, I don't know. Maybe you want one and uh, I you don't. Know, like a new one would be 10k, but somebody'd sell you used one for 5. <laughs> I wouldn't do it for myself, but I'd do it as a gift for someone else. <laughs> Well, one thing's for sure. If you're going to do it, then use top quality stuff because you don't want some sub- substandard metal in your mouth. Yeah, I think you would yeah. be into this uh, this wave, Gordon, because it's quite vain, it seems to me, and it'd be right up your alley. I just roll into church know, and be like, "Hey, just put my entire paycheck onto my teeth." Is is Lamelo thinking that uh, you know that quote unquote chicks dig this? I mean, what what what's the what's the purpose? What is he trying to do what's here? What's the purpose and, of any fashion fad, Gordon? Well, this seems a little more close Why? to home. So I have pierced nipples. Some NBA players wear their jewelry in their ears, some in their teeth. I don't. I don't see what your problem is here. I just. It seems a little extreme to me. That's all. Everything anybody does under or who's under thirty, anything they do seems extreme to me. <laughs> who, who else is doing this? Uh, do you guys know of other celebrities? That, uh, yeah, this have, has been around for a really long. I time. I know, but who else? Is Edger doing? and James used to yeah, have a grill. like the uh, right. Well, he's seventy-two. I mean, uh, <laughs> who was the the yeah guy? The yeah guy, that guy. Uh, Lil Wayne? No, no uh, Flavor Flav. No, not him. Oh. Uh, the the one who sang the <laughs> Lil song. Lil John. Lil John. Yeah, and he's like he's like eighty okay. years he's like eighty years old by now, and he was wearing one. Back. He still has one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then my question becomes this: Jake, you're the king of would you rather? I'm going to give you guys a choice. You have to get your two front teeth diamond encrusted with uh, with fourteen karat gold, or and, and the permanent kind, or a giant chest tattoo. Which one are you going with? A ch- chest tattoo of what? Mm, it doesn't matter. I, no, that matters very much, actually. <laughs> Why? 
Well, because if it's a, a chest tattoo, uh, just a picture of Austin's face, I'm doing that. <laughs> but if it's a different part of Austin. Because I just want to go to the beach and have somebody go, oh, who is that? Is that your uncle or, or grandpa or something? It's like, no, nah, it's, it's just my buddy, Ma, uh, buddy Austin. Oh, did he pass? Uh, no, 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 no. He's very much with us. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to see him next Monday. I mean, in a few hours, actually. <laughs> I I think if you had to do one or the other, maybe the the then you probably would go with the the grill, uh, just the two two tooth. I'm fine with grill. it. Whatever whatever people want to do to express themselves is fine with me. David Locke will express himself coming up next. <laughs> Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.